Dr. Joseph Lane is my doctor. I was referred to Dr. Lane because I have a long-standing issue with my bones. I am lactose intolerant. I don't go in the sun. It's hereditary. I'm post-menopause. I have all the ingredients for the, you know, bone issues that most women end up facing. But this is one issue that I spend very serious time trying to understand. And osteoporosis is a serious issue to deal with. And women, more likely than not, will have to deal with it. So Dr. Lane besides being highly recommended and being the head of just about everything that has to do with bones, has also written extensively about it and teaches and is a brilliant man. And he definitely has spent some serious time with me, helping me understand what's happening. Now, we all have very specific issues. Mine is very specific and I would have never known I had a bone issue because I'm flexible. I feel no pain. I'm feeling like I'm strong, but learning more and more about the issues that women face with bones is really important. And I think he shares a lot of simple information that everyone needs to understand even before you reach menopause as you are considering your diet as a young adult, any issues with food or eating disorders can dramatically harm your bone health. What you're eating and how you're eating are so key to this, but he also explains how fitness is really a major, major part of maintaining bone health. So for all of you, whatever age you are, it's good to know about bone health early on and to keep very informed and understand your personal bone health as well. So Dr. Joseph Lane, top of the line, best person to give us the best advice. Thank you very much for coming today. I'm thrilled to have one of my doctors. I've been introducing doctors uh, through my podcast, but this is actually my doctor. And word is, he's the best in the land. And he is Dr. Lane, and my bones have been my nemesis. And uh, I am all for a healthy lifestyle, and understanding my bones has been the biggest mystery because you can't see them. So I've been searching for the best doctor for years, and I've enjoyed the protocols and everything that we've been doing together. But more important, introducing you to everyone is a great pleasure for me. So can you tell us exactly what you do, where you work, how you do what you do? Give us an intro. Sure. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really in charge of what we call the Metabolic Bone Disease Program at uh, Cornell Medical School and at the Hospital for Special Surgery. And essentially what we are looking at is trying to make your skeleton outlive you rather than you outliving your skeleton. And the bottom problem is that as people get older, 
the bones get weaker and a fracture is a tragedy to an individual. If you take a look at a problem such as a hip fracture, why are we so concerned about it? Well, if this happens to an individual, 70% of people will not regain their former activity level. And this is a big hit in an individual who's been an independent person going around doing their thing and suddenly have to make big sacrifices. So we spend a lot of time trying to ensure that your skeleton will survive and do a good job and not let you down. My job, my job is to work with a group of very talented individuals at Cornell and HSS and our job is to fix your nutrition, to fix your calcium, to fix your vitamin D, to fix your strength, your balance, and to have you enjoy your life without concerns about your skeleton. Done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you touched on so many things that I think are important to expand on. One of the things, obviously, that's key is nutrition. So let's talk a little bit about that. In the past, I don't think doctors spoke as much about lifestyle as they have been more recently, just in general doctors. But in your world, nutrition and all of lifestyle is so key. Well, there's a, there's a term. It's a term called sarcopenia. Sarcopenia represents your muscle mass, and your muscles protect you. If the muscles are weak, your bones will disappear. And your muscles are there for locomotion, but also to prevent you from falling and doing other activities. And the key element of them is adequate nutrition to build these muscles. So let's start. If you look at the average population, people fit into three groups. There's a group that weigh too little. There's a group that's just perfect. And then there's the group that's heavy, and they can be heavy, heavier, and heaviest as time goes on. And really, the best is to bit more toward the center, more toward the center. People who are too heavy, they have problems in just getting around. They don't have the energy. And their problem is not so much they don't eat as they eat the wrong material. The other side of the problem, which is the one that I see more in my bone disease, are people skimp on their eating, and they don't get enough calories. Now, there's a priority in your body. If you take food, first of all, the calories go to your brain, and they go to your heart, and they go to your kidney, and they go to your liver. And when you finally have taken care of the critical organs of the body, whatever is left goes to making your muscles and your bones. And if you don't have enough calories, there is insufficient ability to repair your bones and to repair your muscle. So you have to have a certain level of adequate nutrition. Secondly, you've got to have enough protein. If you eat carbohydrates all the time, that's not protein. Protein is what put into your muscles and your joints and your bones. So it's the mixture of the, of the nutrition and it's the amount of calories that you get in that are critical. And then thirdly, there are things which are particularly bad for bone and some things that are good for bone, but the, the starting point is looking at adequate nutrition. People will miss their breakfast, they'll miss their lunch. It's not that you have to have a big breakfast, an appropriate breakfast, an appropriate lunch, 
an appropriate dinner. But on the other hand, my wife talks about, it's got to be white. And I said, what do you mean by white? Well, what she says is, if the food on your plate, you should see white between each of the things that are on your plate. <laughs> because if you don't, then you're probably eating too, too much. much. Too much. So other people also have fad diets. You know, they'll say, I want to drink a lot of water, or I'm going to be a vegetarian, or I'm going to be what this or that. There's nothing wrong with those, those diets, but there are professionals that make sure that you don't miss out on some of the critical elements. There are 22 amino acids that we have to use to make our proteins. And if you eat a diet that is deficient in asparagine, where you can get from asparagus, then you're gonna have a problem. So you have to have a balanced diet. So if when you pick a diet, make sure it is totally balanced and you can go to the government. The government has great informational centers, NIH, National Institute of Health, excellent center. You can ask the question, what is a good diet? I am a diabetic, I have this problem, I'm allergic to wheat. How do, what can I do to make sure that I'm not missing the critical And this element? is the NIH. NIH is, and you can look them up on your, uh, Google, your, uh, Google yeah. and say, I want a diet and I'm a diabetic, and they will get you into an information center. I know that the New York City Department of Health will, will help you, but I would go to the big boys. Yeah, the the big boys, NIH is the one you can absolutely trust. Nobody plays politics mm -hmm. there. And, and then exercise. Exercise is critical. If you don't use it, you lose, lose it. it. So during World War II, uh, for conscientious objectors, they did in a study, I'm not sure it was, as we say in the trade, totally kosher. They put them in a bed and they saw what happens if you are in bed for three months. And these people lost all their muscle. They lost, their bones disappeared. And if you look at people who are in space, people who are in space for a long period of time, and boy, do they have trouble walking and doing their act. These are prime athletes who went up there. But if they're up in the space station, they have terrible times regaining their activity. And these people are exercising in space, oh. but you need those kind of activities. Yes. So what is the best exercise? Well, ideally you want to exercise all your muscles. People who take a treadmill and walk in one direction are just exercising a mm. one set of muscles. That's a, such a good point. For instance, you can, have, you can have fun. You can take dance lessons, learn the samba. You do that or the salsa, you will exercise. Swimming, they say, well, it's not pounding, but it is generally Resistance. exercising everything. Mm -hmm. So cross-train, don't do something that's too much, and exercise and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And make sure it's fun. If it's not fun, you're not going to exercise. Yeah. No, you, you give up on it. But I think the idea of exercising in many directions, mm -hmm. moving your body in many directions is so much more beneficial than just just being on a bicycle and just going in one direction all the time or the treadmill. I just think that there's more to it. I also think limber and, and stretching has a lot to do with, Absolutely. with flexibility. If you're very stiff, you can't, you can't catch yourself. You have to be able to move smoothly, and that's with uh, being much more limber. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. If you go to a, a health club or something and you want to have fun, 
You work, talk to the people, and they'll have a set of instruments out there and programs. Set up a, a program, you divide it into thirds or into fourths, and you do a different thing each day, and you take a different class, you do different, that way you don't hurt yourself. There's a thing called the post-polio syndrome. So people who have had polio have weak muscles, but if you over-exercise them, and you start getting pain in your muscles, what you're doing is you're killing the muscle. That means you've ripped a muscle. So if you keep hurting with what you're doing, uh, you could actually be counterproductive. So don't do things to the point that you say, I'm so achy after everything. Try to do it so you enjoy it and you may be a little bit, uh, you may feel a little bit, but you don't want to be in just misery after the workout thing. You probably have done too, too much, much in that activity. What about feel the burn? Is that <laughs> the burn when you work out? Well, I know, well, it's interesting. I have a, I love my physical therapist, but sometimes I call them my physical terrorists. You know, what they're doing is, you know, you're trying to, you need to feel I accomplished something, but it shouldn't last for too many days. If you're, if you're really aching for a whole week after yeah, what you've done, much. you've done too yeah. much. So tell me a little bit about the bone structure itself. I think I, I remember you really giving me a great explanation about the bone has turns over, it has cells or something. Sure. Can you explain that? So the, the purpose of your skeleton is to be as light as possible, yet to be strong. So by putting most of the bone at the outer edge to the fourth power, it becomes, it's very strong. So just a very minor increase in diameter has a profound effect on the strength of the bone. So the bone, the body learned move the bone out to the edges, and what's in the center of the bone is usually bone marrow, which is doing blood products and other kind of things. So there are two kinds of bone. There's cortical bone, which is the bone around the edge, and then there's trabecular bone, which is the marrow bone. In the middle of your body, in the middle of your bone, the strength of the bone is related to that cortical bone. As you get up to the joint, there, it's more of a different loads are applied across it because you, when you bend your knee, you, the load may be in the front, then may be in the back, it could be to the side, and that is more trabecular bone. So, and your vertebral body is trabecular bone. Now, trabecular bone is very thin, turns over very quickly, and responds to activities very quickly. Really? Cortical bone, on the other hand, is slow and it stays there, but it, it takes a longer time to heal. So uh, these are your two components. The strength of your bone is related to two elements. One is the amount of the bone, and the other one is the quality of the bone. And so if you have a block of iron, and you have a block of aluminum, they both look like metal, they sound like metal, the iron is much stronger. Same thing is true in your bone. By God and some genetic luck, you may have a great quality bone, you may have a lesser quality bone. And then many of the drugs we take will change the quality of the bone. And diseases such as diabetes, lots of bone, poor quality bone. Mm -hmm. So it, it's both things. So what, I, what we look at when we look at a patient, we say, well, what is the amount of bone? And then what are the hints of the quality of the bone? Now, bone has the unique ability to repair itself. 
So as you take a bone and you bend it, you can bend it and let go, it'll pop back to where it began. But then you get to a point where you use a little bit of a, a little bit of a destruction. The body has a great ability to absorb it. It's just like your high expensive cars. They can absorb the energy without totally collapsing. Mm -hmm. And then your body says, aha, I have a problem. And they will come rushing in with cells and in a very short order, they'll repair this. So what's nice about bone is that you constantly feel what's going on. If you overuse it and it gets, has micro damage, the body will fix that micro damage and make it stronger in that point. So that goes back to your exercise. When you take up a new exercise, your bone doesn't know that exercise. Right. And now you start using the bone and it says, gee, this bone was not prepared for yeah. your new sport. So you take it up slowly, the body starts recognizing it needs more bone on the outside here and less on the inside. And over the course of six uh -huh. weeks, it will change the strength, the relative strength of the bone. So I always tell people, don't start skiing in uh, December. Think about it in October and start your ski exercises mm -hmm. so that the bones are prepared for what you're basically Very doing. Very interesting. Very interesting. I've never done yoga. I've done lots of, lots of different exercises, and everybody assumes I've done yoga, but I've never done it. And um, this summer, there's no exercise that I know in the area where I'm staying except for yoga. So I've been doing yoga, and I'm very klutzy, and you know, making a fool out of myself, falling over and trying to do everything. But my body is definitely aware of the fact that this new thing is happening, and I'm very obsessive, so I really want to learn it and do it, and I'm uh, I'm on it and consistent about it. But every part of my body is just having this sort of reaction to, and now I have a better understanding that the bone is actually adapting to it. And not only that, is your, your muscles, yeah. your ligaments, all of these have sensors and they will recognize what you're doing. So that's why, that's why the coaches on the teams have these warm-up exercises or these special training exercises and the golf players are, are they're lifting weights and all these, so they're teaching their muscles to accommodate to, yeah, the, no. to the, the lows they're putting on them. Yeah, and, and the other thing about bones that I, that's sort of confusing for me, so I'm, I'm very much into a healthy lifestyle. I do all the good things to do, um, and my bones don't hurt, so I'm not aware, just as a person, that there might be an issue with my bones. And of course, I do all the visits to the doctors and then through the years found that by having a bone density test, I had an issue. Um, so other than a bone density test, do, can people be aware of the fact that they have a bone issue without getting a bone density test? Well, the, the easiest thing to think about is if you have had a fracture, it's a warning sign that there, your bone failed you at some component. Um, if you have relatives that have had frequent fractures, it just tells you that you, you, there may be something about your bone to pay a little attention mm -hmm. to. If you're very flexible, 
That means your collagen is lax. Now, you can't be a ballerina or a gymnast or a diver or without being flexible. But the bone is, is pulled apart rather than pushed together. So most of the fractures, you pull the bone apart. And that's related to your collagen. So if you're, if you're very flexible, you have to be careful that you may, have, you may be more vulnerable. Really? So, that's so, my, I'm super flexible. Well, that, oh. So flexible people, yes. it, it's just that you, not that you can't do it, so you have to do it in a way that your muscles make up and give you support. So you have to build up the muscles that surround the bone besides just depending on the bone. So that's why strong muscles are your partners for your bones. Right. So the building, you know, with limited weights, but you can, you can really build up your muscles around the bone. And it's a very healthy. So now how do you recognize this? Well, we do have a DEXA. But the other thing is if you have pain, if you're having pain, you do a sport, and suddenly there's one spot that hurts, and it hurts, and it hurts. And now you're going into two weeks and four weeks. We should get an X-ray or a bone scan and look if there's right. what we call a stress fracture occurring. It, this is so common in New York City really? in October when they're preparing for the marathon. You're kidding. People get stress fractures, or they take up a sport and something hurts. So. If, 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 it's, if it's more than a couple of weeks, you probably should have it evaluated to make sure you didn't overdo it and your tissue has been, has been damaged right. a little bit. Now, just give it a little time. It'll get better. Better training, getting a pro to watch what you're doing. Some people run easily. Some people don't run easily. A pro will help you often do it better. Now, but what about running on your knees? And is, is that pounding actually well, they good do. or bad for your bones? Well, it's good for your bones if you exercise and you run. And you enjoy, but just within, you know, you build up your endurance with time. You know, you start slowly and work your way up, cross-train a little bit. But your cartilage actually can tolerate this. This is a living tissue, the cartilage. And it responds, and it can repair itself as long mm -hmm. as you don't overdo it. And many people who have been runners their whole lifetime will have excellent joints. Their really, you're not going to destroy your joints uh, if you don't over if you, if you listen to your body and you do it appropriately. Um, I'm so taken aback about the flexible thing. <laughs> I. I feel so good when I stretch and I'm flexible, and there you go. No, but wait a minute. But you've also trained yourself. You're training yourself. So you can get more flexible, and I think that's excellent. Some people get up out of the chair and put their leg on the oh. back of their, over the back of their head. That's what, or can do a split without warming up. Those are people who are over-flexible. That's the biggest problem besides maybe weakening the bone in, in one aspect is, the, is what goes on to your joints. Because as you begin to get extensive, you're, you begin to run around the outside of the joint. And if you do this enough, you start building up bone on the outside, and now you start getting what we call osteophytes or osteoarthritis. Class examples, you look at women and their hands and men. Men are not flexible. Oh, I guess there are two people in the United States who can touch their feet. But, but, two, but, men. two men. Two <laughs> uh, men. If I can touch my knee, it's a good moment in my life. No, I'm just kidding. But if you look at the, the most distant joint in their hands, mm -hmm. they're, they're, 
people get swelling there. And the reason is women are so much more flexible. They can overstress that joint. And they don't have the safeguards that men have. And they build up this bone around the edge. It's of little consequence. It's just cosmetic. But this is the body building up and protecting these joints. And oh, this okay. is what happens to your finger is happening to your hip joint, your knee joint. And that's it's part of the way the body will compensate if you're too, if you're mm -hmm. too flexible. Really? Okay. So keep doing your exercises. I, no, I, I, I love it. It feels so good. Yeah. What about balance? So you mentioned balance earlier and, um, now that I'm doing yoga, I'm balance as I've been getting older has become a bigger challenge. I literally, sweat like crazy when I'm doing balancing. It's really taking every bit of my focus. But I realize that because the ability to balance is diminishing with age, that clearly it's an important thing to work on. So do you know why balance diminishes with age? Well, the first question is, how do you recognize you have a balance problem? Very simple exercise. An 85-year-old person can stand on one leg for 12 seconds. So you stand on your leg for 12 seconds. If you, have, if you can't do it for 12 seconds, you have a balance problem. Mm -hmm. If you wobble, you need a little bit of help. And so what happens is your balance is related to your labyrinth in your ear. It's, it's your center for balance. Mm -hmm. And people get head colds. And you get head colds and head colds and head colds. You get the flu and all Sinus this. Issues. And what happens is every time you get it, you do a little bit of difficulty to your labyrinth. Now, it may recover it up. So I think much of this is related to the, really? the, the, the nerve, and it's, it's been attacked over and over again with colds and things like that. There are drugs which will also do it. And then, of course, your, your brain and just the general nerve function. Mm -hmm. the general nerve function. The other thing is to watch your proprioception. Now, proprioception means that you can close your eye and you can put your index finger on your nose. That is good proprioception. But if you can't do that, that means the, the message from your brain to your limb is not perfect. And you are more likely to fall because you won't quite estimate where your foot is and you'll see it in the sidewalk is up and down and up and down mm -hmm. in the side streets of New York, and you'll hit it. So you can look at your, what you're looking at is your proprioception and your balance. And with those two things, you have to treat yourself. So you can do yoga and Pilates and things like that. You can do Tai Chi, which is absolutely Great. excellent yeah. for balance. I love dancing. Take dancing lessons. And that will teach you Nothing better. Nothing better. Than or just dance to the music with dance. some dance program. I know. Nothing is better. If there's a dance party, I'm there. Dance and, parties. And, and, and it's good for the spirit, too. That goes a long way. And, and the other one is you can practice. You can stand in front of your sink or your, or your, or your bath. Uh, the, the sink is the best or, or the counter in the kitchen. It's high. And you pick up one leg and you start moving the other leg. And if you have a problem, you put your hands down. And you will find that in short order, you'll get better and better mm -hmm. and better. And you practice each day with this. You do it 
I would say every time you go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. just do it for a minute before you come out. Yeah. Practice your, your, your ability, and you can train yourself to be yeah. pretty good at this. Yeah. Now, it's, it's incredible. If, if you focus and train, I've seen great improvements. And, I mean, I, I could balance, but the effort to do it, I think a lot has to do with allergies, too. The city and Absolutely. everything affects how your balance is. But it's clearly an important factor because falling is not what you want to do. It's hard to get a fracture without falling. Hard to get. Now, there are some fractures that occur spontaneously, but most fractures occur with simple falls. The other thing is, you got to be a little pro. One of my favorite presidents was Gerald Ford. And Gerald Ford was an all American football player at Michigan. I mean, this guy was an athlete. Every picture of him as a president, he's always on the ground somewhere. Right. And, what, and what he did is he rushed. He rushed. So I tell people, if you have a, some impairment, when you're going someplace, don't talk to anybody, get there, and then start talking. Yeah. And then, you know, make sure you have adequate light, you see what you're doing, watch what you're doing. Yeah. So many people fall coming out of a restaurant, they're talking to and their friends, yeah. and it's an environment they're not And it's all ages, in. quite frankly. Absolutely. It's not, so talk, let's talk a little bit about age. So... Clearly, as you get older, the bone density is, is more of a challenge. And in the fashion industry, it's still, I, I am a strong believer in a healthy, fit body. Yeah. But in the fashion industry, still, there's a belief that thin, and in some cases, it's super, super thin, that in itself, like you said before, is is not good for bone health because if there's no muscle, there's no protection. Yeah. The easiest thing is to look at a, a thing called a, a body mass index. You can look it on the Google or any of these. You put in your weight, you put in your height. If you're below 18.5, you are compromised. Now. A lot of athletes are like that. What 18.5 body mass? Body mass index. 18.5. And the reason we pay attention to it is if we give you drugs to make your bones better, they are not as effective as people who weigh less than that. Yeah. Now, if you weigh less than that, as long as you're, if you're trying to make bone, you have to be gaining weight. So if you can gain a half a pound a month or a pound a month, that means there's enough calories left over to be made into some, into some part of your body. Yeah. You're not going to make your liver bigger. It's going to be into muscle and mm -hmm. things like that. So you, you really, if you're low, it still will work, but please gain a little bit of weight each month as you're going through that. So I, there are certain things that are supposed to be bad for your bones, like seltzer water. What is it? Fluoric? What is phosphorus? Yes. Is that true? Is, is that actually... Well, what happens is if you take too much phosphate in your diet, you will bind the calcium and it will never, get in, never pass into your system. So if you take... You should not have a Coke for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody with a Coke for breakfast? I'm I, sorry, Atlanta, but no Cokes for breakfast. No, I mean, 
I don't allow the click of a can opening in yeah. the company. It may happen in secret yeah. somewhere, but everybody knows yeah. not here. But but the phosphorus in just water too could do the same thing, right? Well, sure. There well, there's some waters. You know, people live in different parts of the country, and you can get uh, from your water department, wherever right. you live, they can talk about the quality of your water. If the water quality is not good, like the Salt River in Phoenix is a, is a terrible really? river, drink bottled water. And then you have to think of what kind of bottled water. Exactly. You should take bottled water that doesn't have too much phosphate and shouldn't. Now, look, a lot of people like uh, fizzy water, they go out for dinner, I understand it, but to make this your only water is yeah. not the right kind of water. What, what about using city water and filtering it? You can. You can fill, You put like the Brita filter, one yeah. of those, that's just fine. It that's is, because fine. I think, you know, from a sustainability point of view, we yeah. want to use less plastic bottles and Absolutely. obviously be healthy about it. In your studies and sort of the information from when you started in, in this bone health world to what you see in the future with technology, is there anything on the horizon or that you know is in work that could impact bone health? Well, first of all, there, there is some controversy on a number of things. Even the simple things like calcium and vitamin are controversial. Why? Oh, you know, for instance, the cardiologists don't want you to take calcium. The people fixing your bones say you can't make bone without calcium. No bricks, got to have a brick. The brick is the calcium. So we're, we're trying to find simple techniques. I, I understand the questions that are raised by my patients. So let's take a look at calcium. How do I decide how much calcium for you? Well, there is no set number for an individual. Mm -hmm. But you have a thermostat in your body. It's called a parathyroid gland. So the parathyroid gland is looking down around from your neck and is testing your calcium. If it thinks there is inadequate amount of calcium, the parathyroid gland goes up and starts cannibalizing your bone. If it thinks you got too much calcium, it shuts off. So I say, if you want to have your own thermostat, why don't I look at your thermostat? So I measure your parathyroid hormone. If it's absolutely normal, your body has achieved nirvana for your calcium for that body. Now, you could, your gland could be wrong, but that's very rare. So that's one way to know that you've got the right amount of calcium, mm -hmm. the right amount of calcium. In terms of vitamin D, vitamin D, there's controversy over it, and they say too much is bad, too little, but the, the truth of the matter is, if you look at children who are vitamin D deficient, they have growth problems, they have growth problems, and you need vitamin D to, to put down normal bone, to, to make bone, you need the vitamin D, but more important, it's critical for your muscle. So we did a study of people who are your age and and a little bit older and what we did is we measured their vitamin d and if they our, came, our age. age our age <laughs> i don't want to tell anybody your age because i don't I, I keep thinking you're 37 but that's beside the point but basically we look we have a gate lab at our hospital and we we measure their ability to walk across the floor lift weights do and balance and when we fixed the vitamin, we went up higher, 
we found that while you, it didn't change your walking speed and that you could do strong ap activities, but what it did is it, your ability for your balance was profoundly affected. And if you had to do a complicated type of maneuver, such as run up a flight of stairs or walk briskly, the higher your vitamin D, it made a difference. So for simple walking, not a big difference. Right. But those moments where you need to call the alarm, oh, I catch myself from falling, that's where the vitamin yeah. D is and absent. Do you mean D3? D3. D3. So we aim at, I aim at D3 around 40 because I'm interested not only in the bone but in the muscle. And that's where I think the people are most protective of, of something like a D3 at that. And your calcium, we talked a little bit about the, the calcium. It's, it's interesting, natural calcium is better than pills. Because when you take a pill, you get a shot of calcium, goes up and, and it goes, it goes down. down. But if you take it with your food, it's sort of averaged over a period of mm -hmm. time, better absorbed. So we always try with the food. Yeah. And there's a lot of foods that have the, mm -hmm. the calcium in them. And then if you can't do it, then we'll use a little extra calcium. One of the things that helped me was when I added my smoothies. I yeah. used to do smoothies uh, a lot. And then I, in, yeah. I, in the last six months, I decided to go back to my smoothies. And I put a ton of greens and a lot of nutritional green powders and collagen and a whole bunch of things in the smoothie and it really affected the change in in the numbers and obviously getting it through food is the way helps a hundred percent um and the smoothies taste good and they're you know it it's it's a helpful way to deal with it the other thing that i think about with bones and bone health i just think People need to know that food is critically important to overall health and that for your bones, that statement you made, I don't want it to pass without really amplifying it a bit because I saw just from the example of you gave me a protocol and you said if you can get more of it in your food, you could probably get better results. And when I did that, I saw a big difference. And it was really great, and it's, it's a good thing to do. So I think because you don't see bones, and when people eat a certain diet, they see evidence of it. But for people to know that, especially with calcium and calcium-enriched foods, which are what? What would you say the key foods are? Well, a cow doesn't drink milk to get calcium. It takes it. It's there are a lot of green vegetables. Green vegetables, all green vegetables have calcium, with the exception. I wouldn't depend on peas. Peas. They're, peas don't. You're kidding. How I, come? I don't. Anything in the bean family does not have a really? is not enriched in calcium. Really. But, and the best is best greens. Are oh, are things like what well, broccoli? No. The Bush family does it. Would, would beat you up because they, he doesn't eat broccoli. But broccoli is yeah. a is very rich. Now you have to be careful because some of these things are also have other things like like a spinach will have a lot right. of calcium, but it has it has uh, oxalates. So if you have a problem with kidney stones, you have to be careful with the kind of vegetables you take. So 
before you march into the area and you get your list, check with your doctor, is there any aspect that I should be careful about? Mm -hmm. What about magnesium? You can't, uh, you need magnesium to absorb calcium. Most people, if you'll have a salad or something green, will have enough magnesium. But people who have bowel problems, short bowel syndromes, people who are alcoholics, people who have food, you know, unusual diets, people, prisoner of wars, things like that, you know, where you're in malnutrition, you've been very sick, you can be short of, of magnesium. So the simplest thing is take a, uh, take some magnesium in your, if it isn't in your diet, take it one magnesium mm, pill a day. Yeah. And the same thing is true, you need vitamin C, because mm -hmm. that makes your collagen stronger. It's the critical thing for making collagen yeah. work. Um, again, we always try natural, but you can check it, your doctor can check it, and if you're not getting it, they can add it as a supplement. So. You know, I have a question. When I go for my regular checkups, um, I ask to have blood taken for different vitamins so yeah. I can see, well, does, am I lacking in D3? Or, what? you know, sometimes they fluctuate. At one time, they could be in one place, another in another. And it's super helpful because then I can do something about it. Okay, I'll eat more greens or I'll... Do, or actually, I need magnesium. Why do I need that? I'll figure it out. But is there any accessible way where a person can just have bloods taken, or does it always have to be through a doctor's prescription? Is there any any sort of? I mean, this is you. You just went through a whole bunch of information that's valuable. But how do we? How do we know? Well, there are, what we're doing today in medicine is we have partners, nurse practitioners, uh, physician's assistants. Um, they, these people often, often can help you. But if, you're, if your insurance company is going to pay for the test, uh, then you need you somebody to, to sign it. But I do believe in many offices, the nurse will know more about this than the physician. Really? You, you know? Yeah. And I would make sure that you go to a doctor who has an office that's, that's knowledgeable yeah. about yeah. this. Your primary care doctor should know about this. Yeah. So, but you do recommend people knowing what, what their Absolutely. levels I, are. I, I, what I, I do exactly what you I ask them to add on to the test a few things that I want to make sure that mm -hmm. I think For I'm balance. doing a good job. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm doing right. a good job. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's so important because then you can actually look at your diet and think about what you're putting in your body. Well, if you're testing for it, there's a better likelihood that you're going to fix it. If we don't pay attention to it, you won't pay attention to yeah. it. So from a... Um, Diet, exercise, obviously sleep to restore. The, the concept of being healthy is always um, the, the one that everybody dreams is the best and that we're going to live a healthy, long life. But at what point do you find people recognizing they have bone issues is it just because they've cracked something, 
or what, at what age do you start to see certain things happen that people can keep an eye out for? Well, honestly, we have some tools today that can alert you before you even recognize it. Oh, really? So I think that all men age 70, all women at the point of menopause, should probably get a bone dexa. And if they've had a family, look to your mom and look to your dad. If they've had a problem, these things run in families, both because of the way you, your, your lifestyle and the genes you inherit. And if your parents have had a problem, you may have a problem. Mm -hmm. So if I find one person with a low vitamin D, everybody in the family has a low vitamin D. Really? Because they, 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 they live together, they act together, they play together. So I think a DEX is, the, is the, certainly one of the easiest things that you can look for. Mm -hmm. I'd look at your body weight. If your body weight is low, I'd be, I'd be more, paid more attention to. And it's not that I, some people just can't gain weight and some people are tough as, as ever and they just have a very low weight because they have such great muscles, you know. But if you're, if you're light and you have poor muscles, that is, mm. that's, a, that's a problem. But it, it's the muscle tone that's Muscle really tone. Key. And muscle has weight, so you can be slim well, you can, and still you, have weight. We have this little tool, it's called the grip thing. You grab this grip thing and you measure your grip strength. And if you want to know it, it, it can it, you get that on Amazon? You can get that on Amazon, and, and it's called the grip. Grip. It's called grip strength. So you can go, and the occupational therapy department of any hospital has a grip machine, and you can look at your grip. And if your grip is poor, then that tells you your muscles are lacking. If your really? grip is now, if you have arthritis in the joint, you can't. You'll have a poor grip. But that is a very simple way to look at your muscle mass. Now, the other way is if you happen to, if somebody gets a CAT scan, you can ask the doctor to comment on your muscles. They can see the muscles oh, really? on a CAT scan. And are they okay? And it's, it's called, you take a, a, you use it for a second purpose. You ask the radiologist when they're doing to comment on the, the, the diameter of your muscles. The muscles are skimpy. They can see it on the CAT scan and they can comment on it. There are many formulas for doing this kind of activity. So you're a proponent of building body mass, building yeah. weight in, in toned muscle, obviously, not in fat. And- um, Proving balance. And improved balances. And I actually, since I started seeing you, I purposely put on some, I put on five pounds because I heard what you said, and I thought, well, you know, I'm working out. I'm just getting, feeling bulkier, and I'm I'm fine with that. I'm not bulk up those muscles. I am. I'm, I am. I'm, I'm I sure. Am. I'm sure totally, you you probably totally. throw me to the floor. <laughs> no, I, no, but I I do appreciate the fact that that extra weight gives me protection. I was in Morocco. And I was in the souk, and there were some beautiful things in the souk, and they were up high, and the guy asked me where, where the thing I saw was. And I looked up, and in Morocco, their steps are this big. They don't have real steps. They have little steps. So I, and it was concrete floor, I went flying, flying 
I mean, a big splat right down. And because I work out, I landed as if I was doing a push-up and stopped from smashing my face into the ground. And I was like this. And I thought, I'm feeling everything I ever worked for Boy. doing its job. And it was, it was frightening because it was a big sweep across. But the idea that I had that extra bulk really, and bulk in a good way, I mean, I'm not saying fat, I'm saying strength, really was obvious to me that that really saved me from smashing my face. And that can happen anywhere. Like, you can keep your eyes open and you can look everywhere, and I'm pretty good with that. But there's a surprise around every corner that you, you never know. So being aware is important, but I think having that extra strength is key. You know, it's interesting, I, I take care of trauma, and 25% of the patients who come in with fractures at New York Hospital are tourists, but they're not 25% of the people in the city. So what is the difference between a tourist and a New Yorker? Well, a New Yorker is watching the ground right. and watching the potholes, <laughs> the and the tourist is saying, oh, right. me, oh, my, I'm right. looking up right. in the sky. Yes. And so... When you're out of your environment, just pay attention. Pay yeah. attention. It's so common yeah. that I won't even go back to the town of X because my wife and I have fallen so many times in that damn city because it's, it's Roman marble that's, yeah. that's 2,000 years old, yeah. slippery, and I'm always looking at yeah. something. No, it's so true. And that's a really good example. So what about um, hip surgery, knee surgeries, these re- knee replacement, hip replacement, and people are like up and at it in two weeks. Like, what has happened there? All right, so we have now realized that we, we didn't push people far enough. We, we were so afraid to do what people do. If you do a really good operation and you do what we call mini approach, meaning you don't flay the patient from top to bottom, and you only take those little things that have to be done, and you split the muscle rather than cut it, you can recover very quickly. And what we're doing is we're changing our approaches to take advantage of it. So if you're most likely to dislocate when you have a posterior approach, now we do an anterior approach, so you will not it's very hard to dislocate, and if that's the problem uh, we're trying to avoid, people with anterior approaches are more likely to be able to be functional earlier than what we use the old time. Now, there's an old saying about doctors, they, they do best what they know best, and it's hard to take a doctor who's done one thing for a very long time, and it's a learning curve. So until you've gone through the learning curve, you probably would do better to do what you do best and just and just being a little bit more careful. But I think what you're seeing now with partial knees, knees that are mm. one, coming in and going home the same day, uh, the hips going home the same day because they can use uh, uh, preferred incisions, yeah. and they're building devices which will encourage you not to dislocate so it's amazing, amazing what people can do. The other thing is we are operating on younger people today. Why is it that you should suffer for 20 years until you get over a line and then get a joint replacement? Mm. 
So we're doing more young people, but part of that thing is they, they have to behave. You can't do crazy things with these joints. That God didn't give you those mm -hmm. joints. So you have a joint that can wear out and you have to live Be within careful. certain boundaries. What about tearing and, for instance, I tore, partially tore my meniscus in my knee as I was jumping from a dock to a boat that was doing this and I, I heard that and it was like, oh my God. So does that repair or? Well, like, look, just look over the last 30 years. We used to do an open incision, take out everything, throw it away. Now we know what you have to keep, so we repair it. So instead of removing it, we're repairing it. And there are people now called hip preservation teams. And what they do is you injure your hip, they, they go in with an arthroscope, they repair all the things that have been torn. They change the shape of your hip so you don't abut it, you don't keep banging it, and they bring the anatomy back to what the normal anatomy is. And what's happening is people are avoiding having a joint replacement, returning to sports with great skills, and, and that is true for all the joints. Now they're doing it for the foot, and they're looking. They're, they're trying to mm -hmm. reestablish the anatomy, and there are a lot of micro techniques that are available to do this. So it's getting mm -hmm. smaller, it's getting more physiological, it's getting to the point that can the person return to their activity? Wow. And you know, sports medicine used to end at the age of fifty. Now we have people in their sixties, seventies, yeah. and eighties playing tennis. Right doing all these, and they want to do it. Yeah, why they not? They absolutely, why shouldn't they? What's the most dangerous sport? I mean, besides football banging into everybody, but what do you think has the, the most damaging injuries? It would be something around the knee. You know, skiing is a pretty dangerous sport. 17 people per thousand per day on the ski slope will have a major injury. No. Really? It's an annuity to Veil and Aspen and the, the doctors. Are, I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, my but, God. But, you know, people, but there are people who go through their whole life and ski without injury. The key is knowing your body. So if your, your knee is the most unstable, what you have to do is, one, the ski has to be able to come off. It can't be stuck at the bindings. Number two, when it starts icing up on the, on the ski slope, wherever it is, that's time for you to go drinking and doing something else. You should stop when you get tired mm. and when the slopes get. And if you use common sense, you will protect yourself. And yeah. you also train before. And big thing is don't get tired because mm. that's where the accidents occur. Mm. So what made you get involved with bones? What made that your specialty? Well, during Vietnam, all doctors served. All doctors That's served. right. And I was, the National Institutes of Health is part of the military. It's actually owned by the Coast Guard. And they had a program for taking people in to do research. It was the highlight of, they got more people doing research during that time. Everybody wanted to be right. at NIH. Right. <laughs> so I went to NIH and I was in a lab that was dealing with bones. And I said, wow look at all these things that we could do with your understanding. And it was actually under the dental school. The dentists were so far ahead of everybody. They, really? And so I was trained in the Dental Institute. And I came How back and, and I continued my research in bone. And then 
the head of medicine at University of Pennsylvania said, I want to form a metabolic bone disease program, and I need an orthopedist. And in those days, when the chairman of your department said something, you saluted and immediately did it. And I, having been at NIH, was chosen by the head of orthopedics to be his partner. And he mentored me through, and he knew everybody and everything. And I suddenly realized that bone was not a dead tissue. You could fix it. Living. And today, if you come in with osteoporosis, we can make you be normal. We have the tools to return you to normal. It's amazing. It's and now we have safer drugs, much safer drugs than we had before, and we know when to stop and to start, and everybody's different, so the treatments are gonna be a little different for people, but we can make you pretty close to normal. Plus, if you injure your bone, we have tools today which can go in and cut your healing time by 50%. Uh, and what would that be? It's a thing called uh, uh, forteo or teriparatide. It treats osteoporosis by making more bone. And the answer is, well, then why? If it makes more bone normally, won't it make more bone when you have a fracture? And most studies today show if you put them on this drug, you can cut the healing time by 50%. And prolea? Prolia is a, that is a interesting mixed drug. It is a, uh, it's an anti-breast cancer drug. It's a fabulous, so it doesn't cause cancer. And what it does is it stops you from losing bone, but does not prevent you from making bone. And since everything is, both things are always going on, it will increase the bone. It's not as fast as the Forteo, but it will increase the bone by about 3 to 5%. And Amgen, which made the drug, did a ver they actually kept women on it for 10 years. So they know the long-term really? effect. And every year they give, they got another 5%. So Amgen said, well, you know, you could keep on this drug forever. They, the reason they stopped it is the women were moving to Florida. They were going to California. They were leaving where the testing was done. And so they had to stop the study. But... It is a very, very successful drug. And now there's a new drug on the place. It's called Aventus or Romososumab. What, what is it called? Romososumab or Aventus. And, and what it does, Avinity, it's Avinity. And what it does is very clever. Basically, there's a, a pathway called the wind pathway, which meets, makes bone. But everything you have in your body has a turn-off switch. Avinity blocks the turn-off switch. So, so once you start making bone, you just keep making it. And you make it, and it, make, it can increase your skeleton up to 15% in one year. What? This is an amazing And when drug. did this come out? This came out one year ago. Wow. Wow. And so so what is, what's happening now is biology. Is, they used to give you drugs. You don't want medicine. No, no, they don't do that anymore. Now they look at a pathway. And the easiest thing is to say, this is a great pathway, but it turns off. Can I turn off the turn-off switch? And that is happening across medicine. And these things are very easy to make. And graduate students could even make them. Wow. And it's these, and you are now going to have biological switch control. And you say, where's the future? It's, they're going to first of all look at you, 
find out how your system is working, and then they're going to pick the switch that's best for you. Unbelievable. Wow. It's, it's here today. It's, it's, it's very today. exciting. And men are taking all of these medications too, right? Well, this, what's interesting, this is the one disease that women are, have the advantage and own. The data is much better with women. So you could sit with uh, certainty from the testing. Women can really know what's going to do. Men may or may not respond exactly the same way. So it's going to take a little time for them to catch on. And, but there's a great group in Oregon called Mr. Oz, and they are looking at all these things so that men could get the same benefit that women get. But women are ahead in this. Well, they deserve it, don't you think so? I think so. We carry such a weight. <laughs> well, I, I, look at, I look around, I'll tell you, women multitask. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't know how they do it. They, I am so impressed. Uh, because the burden is on them. And you talk about nutrition. In the family, the wife has to do it. That's right. Whether, who takes the members of the family to the doctor? The wife does Including who, the husband, who will never go. Well, he first of all, absolutely. They won't. It's, if it wasn't for the wife, I knew in my own family. My wife, she makes sure I do all the things I'm supposed to do. See, it's the mother thing you just isn't good you know the mother-son relationship is a is a tight bond That's that exactly. memory never goes away That's so right. you know we have to do what we have to do to get you guys to take care of yourselves that's true so i am so happy that you came there was just jam-packed information i really appreciate it i i think is there anything i forgot to ask or that people ask you all the time that I need to share? Well, the, the last thing that's of the biggest concern is fear. Fear to take something that's going to help you. You have to understand how the FDA works. A drug comes out, somebody has something happening six months in, and they don't know if it's related to the drug or not, but they tell the FDA they, by law, must put this down as maybe uh -huh. associate. Now, when you the people go onto to the website, they see all these maybes. The reality is the likelihood is tiny. Secondly, you can always stop the drug and it goes away. Yeah. We take chances all the time. My classic example is you're going to the theater in New York, and you're between 7th and 8th Avenue, and the theater is on the other side of the street. Do you walk back to the corner, wait for the light, and cause a jaywalk? Now, that is dangerous. <laughs> but we do this every day, so let's talk about danger right, and danger. Right. And the biggest problem is that people are not taking advantage. They are afraid to take the yeah. drugs. And believe me, I think you've got to take a chance. You know, I, I think there's something to that. I, I was with a, a friend the other day, and it was the second time I'd heard about someone who was, in one case, it was pancreatic cancer. Her husband has pancreatic cancer, and he's been taking an experimental drug, and he's, been lit, and he's a young man, and he's been living a normal life except having to take this drug, pancreatic cancer. I mean, to think that he's still alive is just so 
incredible. But the chance was, do I take this drug and take the risk or just succumb? So there's something to being the head of the curve and, and taking advantage of it in a timely way. So it, it protects you and saves your life. I, th- I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, if you're a doctor or your nurse or your PA, whoever is working with you is, is trying to give you advice, they're, they're paying attention. And mo- almost all of these things are reversible if something happens. I mean, people are allergic to drugs. We stop the drug, we give them Benadryl, and it go- the rash goes away. I mean, it's reversible. So these things are big issues. You must not yeah. get a hip fracture. You just must not. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change your life. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. You're, you know, you're, you're my role model. I mean, <laughs> after you come in to see my office, after, did you see how strong and flexible she is and how great she looks? I said, well, she works at it. She works at it. That's why she does it. Well, but there you go. I still have to deal with my bones. Yeah, and so right. we all have to deal with something and um, I'm so happy that you've given me up-to-date information and protocol and advice to help myself. I would never think that there was anything wrong because I've never felt that there was, but being able to do something about it is the most important thing, but obviously going to find out if there's something wrong. When do we start bone density tests? Women, think about it at menopause. Certainly by 65 at the latest, if any person with a fracture should get it. If it's a low energy, meaning from a simple fall, mm-hmm. or you have a disease which is known to cause loss of bone. Yeah. If you're taking steroids and things like that, you really should yeah. uh, be doing it early. And if you have bone issues and you have to take steroids yeah. or medication yeah. like that. Is there any sort of antidote or something you can do while you're having to take the steroids? This is 2019. We have antidotes. We can, if you have a problem, you take the steroids, we can prevent you from losing bone if you so take So while you're t- doing that. So. Absolutely. Okay, amazing. Done and done. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you.